Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Our scripture reading this morning will come from Psalms 119, verses 9 through 16. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Please be seated. The last line in that reading you just heard was, I will not forget your word. My favorite part of the song, the last song that Keith led us in, was this. That these ancient words, changing me and changing you. And one of the things that everybody in this room has in common is that we have been changed by the Word of God. Every time we come to assemble in this auditorium for worship, the vow that we make to you, among others is that what you will hear is the Bible. What you will hear is the Word of God every single time. Now, sometimes when I preach, I preach a chapter of Scripture, and we go verse by verse. And sometimes we'll take a topical lesson, and I'll follow a word all through the Scripture, Old and New Testaments. That's not the case today. What I want to do in this sermon is to do an overview of the entire Bible. This is a bird's eye, kind of panoramic view I think it would be good for all of us who are Christians to be, to be able to sit down with someone and say, let me tell you the whole Bible. And, and it doesn't have to be complicated. And what you're about to hear is not going to be complicated. And I can do it, I think, in the time that's typically allotted for this sermon. Let's talk about the whole Bible. I want to start with four general themes of Scripture. You could add some to this, but here are four general themes, I think, which are very important to get as we launch into this. In the first place, the two greatest tragedies of the Bible are these. First, the entrance of sin into the world. And Adam and Eve ate that fruit and introduced sin. Now, it wasn't the case that that they brought something into the world of which all of us are going to be guilty forever, that they introduced sin and now all of us bear the sin of Adam as Calvinism teaches. That's not the case. And here's Romans chapter 4, verse 15, and the Bible says this. Well, what it says is this, that, that sin by one man entered into the world and death by sin, and it passed on all men because all have sinned. The entrance of sin into the world was one of the two greatest tragedies. The second greatest tragedy was that Jesus, the Christ, the sinless one, the one who never sinned, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he was tempted at all points such as we are, yet without sin, that he would be the one who would bear 
the, the death on that cross for our sins. And we recognize that as a great tragedy because of the injustice of it. Having said that, it would also be a tragedy had he not died because you and I wouldn't have any hope. The second great theme I want you to see of Scripture is, is worship. Worship, or atonement rather, the atonement for our sins. It starts in the Old Testament, and it has to do with altars, family altars in the early days. And the father would go and sacrifice, and God would meet the worshipers at the altar and make the atonement would be made for the sins of that family. And then by and by, a tabernacle was constructed, a tent, you know, that would be transported by the Israelites. They were nomads, and they would go from one place to the next. And the tabernacle is where God would meet those worshipers. And then before long, he wanted a temple. A grand temple in Jerusalem was created. But the climax of worship, or the climax of, of uh, our worship, would be this. That you and I are the church. We are the church. In First Peter, or First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says that the church is the house of God. The pillar and ground of the truth. And atonement is part of this too. And so you have the altars at the first. And then after that, well, you're going to have worship done in the tabernacle. And you're going to have worship in the temple. You're going to have atonement made for the people. First, animal sacrifices. But the problem is Hebrews 9 and 22, Hebrews 10 and verse 4. Without the shedding of blood, you, you can't have remission. But it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And all of this then culminates in this, this great theme of atonement in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And the Bible says, unto him who loved us, ready for this, and he washed us from our sins in his own blood. It's about, it's about worship. It's about atonement. It's about, it's about home. Let me tell you about home. It's a beautiful word, isn't it? My favorite place in the world is home. And Adam and Eve had a home in the Garden of Eden. Seems just impossible that someplace so perfect could produce sin. I mean, that out of a place like that, and we, we still have a problem, a confusion about this today, and we have moral ills that just cause awful upheavals, and we have this idea that if we throw enough money at it, that somehow we could fix it. Because if we cre- create some, some sort of a utopia society, if we could just build that, that, that we could fix, fix the moral ills of our culture. Of course, it's a lie. It never was true in the Garden of Eden is where sin first started, and Adam and Eve were driven from their home. And not, not long later, then the people of Israel were taken into a beautiful land called the land of Canaan, the promised land. But because of sin, idolatry, by and by they were driven from that home. One day, you and I are going to be in heaven, and it is our, it is our eternal home. And we will never leave there. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, it's everlasting. We're going to be there for everlasting. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says it's incorruptible and undefiled. The reason is that it's everlasting is because sin can't enter into heaven. Our sins are forgiven and we go to be in that place. And the Bible says then at the last of that list in First Peter 1 and verse 4, that it never fades away. It is our eternal home. These are some major themes of the Bible. Now, walk with me through the Bible. Let's start in the Old Testament, then we'll do the New. You have two major divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Very important. And 
you mustn't look at the scripture. And I guess maybe, maybe we do this sometimes because there are complications and it is challenging reading. It's meant to be studied, not casually read. And maybe it's the case that sometimes we look at scripture and we just see it as all just scrambled eggs and, and you, you pick out a passage, but it's just sort of random. But, but I want you to know that the Bible has great form to follow. It has a logical progression. All right, so the Old Testament starts with the first five books. Some people call it the Pentateuch, pent meaning five. The Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is the law, the law of God. And it starts again with creation and sin enters the world. But you mustn't think that God was surprised by that. You have chapter 3 then of Genesis. I mean, right after the sin, you have Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And here is, is God's preparedness for this. And, and the first messianic prophecy between your, the seed of woman and the seed of Satan here. You've got a conflict. And what's going to happen? He's talking about Mary who would one day bear Jesus. And Jesus, Satan is going to bruise your head. You'll bruise his heel. God was not caught unawares by sin, and God had this plan by which redemption could be brought. And that's Genesis, early Genesis. But then we go to Genesis chapter 12, and it talks about Abraham. Now, through Abraham's descendants, through his family, all the earth is going to be blessed. I'm going to bless those people who bless you and curse those who curse you. Now, the people of Israel are important. The Old Testament carries the life and line of the Israelite nation. Why? Why? There were lots of other nations. Why was that one important? The answer is that God had made a promise through the, the patriarch of the Israelite nation. His name is Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, right at the launching pad of the Bible. So important. And from him is going to come this great nation that will be named Israel. Israel. God didn't pick Israel because they were big and large and powerful. And he really didn't pick them because they were always going to be righteous. The truth is they would not always be righteous. It was going to be tumultuous. It was going to be a a yo-yo, back and forth, righteousness to unrighteousness. But God chose this people, and through this people, Israel, the Messiah would one day come. He did it for you. He did it for me. It's for salvation. And he chose to protect them in order to bring about the Messiah. So all the way through the Old Testament, and from from the beginning of creation to the law of Moses is going to be about 2,500 years. God raises up this Israelite nation, and ultimately Jesus is going to come from this Israelite nation. It's why it was so very, very important. And then you find the people of Israel going into Egyptian bondage. And they're going to stay there for a few hundred years, I guess about four but what's going to happen is not just that they're slaves there, it's that they're, they're going to, 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 to populate. And when they come out of Egypt with the plagues and the, the, the deliverer called Moses, when they leave Egypt, they're going to be a huge, mighty people. They're a little disjointed, yeah, mind you, they're, they're slaves, but God is going to bring them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, the leadership of Moses, and he's going to give them a law at Mount Sinai. That law is, we call it the law of Moses, but it's also called the law of God. And here's Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. And Ezra, Ezra was told to come out into the street and read the law to the people of God. And, and it's called the law of Moses in verse 1. But in verse 8, that same law is called the law of God. It is the law of 
the law of God. Then we go to the book of Exodus, and there arose a king that didn't know Joseph, and he didn't respect the people of God. And so the book of Exodus is the drawing out of the, of the people of God. Leviticus and Numbers, and we're going to have the law given to them. Here's the law of Moses. Now, there are the five books. The five books that begin the Bible are the Pentateuch, the law. The next 12 books are going to be history, Joshua through Esther. Now, Joshua is the successor to Moses, and he's the one who's actually going to be able to go into Canaan and fight those battles. And in the the book of history here, you have not just the battles of Canaan, but you have the period of the judges, a cyclical time where the people of Israel would be faithful to God, then unfaithful, and God would send these deliverers called judges. And you have the kings, judges like Gideon and Samson and Jephthah and Samuel, but then the kings come on, and you have Saul and David and Samuel and Rehoboam and Jeroboam and Hezekiah and Ahab. You have the kings, and ultimately, you have the divided kingdom because it comes apart because of sin. You have the two sides, and one side is called the northern kingdom or Israel. The other side is the southern kingdom, and it's called Judah. Now, from there, we go to the books of poetry. There are five books of poetry, Ecclesiastes, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Job, the five books of poetry, and, and they're wonderful. The books of poetry and wisdom are sometimes in songs, and the golden thread that runs through the books of poetry is Jesus Christ. You have wonderful references to Jesus, Job seeking out a mediator between God and man. And you have the psalmist describing the cross, and they pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm 22 and verse 16. I mean, it is a, it is a string that runs through the books of poetry. Jesus, our Redeemer. And then you have, finally, the, the books of the prophets. And it's 17 books of the prophets. They tell the future, and they preach. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 4. Let me just give you a smattering, just a feeling for some of the prophecies that are so important to us. Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. It's about the Messiah. It's about, it's about the Messiah. And Isaiah chapter 53 then, verse 5. And you're familiar with this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we're healed. We're like sheep. We've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It seems like it would read from the New Testament. But it's not. It's the Old Testament. It's, it's prophecy. But you know who that's about. It's about Jesus. It's about the Christ. Now, let's look, let's look at the church from Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah 2, beginning in verse 2. And the Bible says this, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We shall walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, that's Jerusalem, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, Daniel chapter 2 does essentially the same thing. 
Verse 44, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the Lord's church. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. These prophets were so important to prepare people for the the Christ, the Messiah, and the church. And when you get to Acts, the second chapter, which all the children in the room recognize as the birth of the church, the birthplace of the church, Peter stood up with those other apostles, and he said this. He said, this is that. What's happening here with these miracles and the coming of the kingdom and all, of that's, all that's going on here is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And you can read it. It was Joel, Joel chapter 2. You can read it. The last paragraph of the Old Testament is Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And it, it ends with these words, And the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That's the end of the Old Testament. Now, just listen to this old preacher. Were it not for the fact that we have the New Testament, that's where the Bible would end with the word curse, because without Jesus... Because of sin, we would not have hope. It ends with the word curse. All right, now we go to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the Gospels or the Gospel accounts. The Gospel account is, is um, starting with the, the, the preparation for Jesus and the genealogy. Here's the family tree, and then we have the birth of Jesus, his works, his teachings, his miracles, and then we end with the death of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Now, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have testimony about the fact that he really is the Son of God. Now, I want you to think about Acts chapter 10. The Bible says in verse 43 this, to him all the prophets Witness. Now, see, we're pulling the. What's the Old Testament about? What is it about? Why is it valuable? The, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. There's the point of the prophets. There's the point of the Old Testament prophets. It was about Jesus. Next, we go to the Acts of the Apostles. This is the history of the beginning days of the church. It is, it is the book of conversion. So if you want details about how people became Christians, read the book of Acts. And over and over again, you'll see sometimes crowds of people like Acts chapter 2, sometimes individual people who became Christians, and like, like Acts chapter 8, and the, the children know the conversion examples in the book of Acts. This is history. In about, 25, about a 25-year period, you, you have the gospel taken to every creature on earth, Colossians 1, verse 23. Now to the epistles, the book of Romans to Jude, the epistles or the letters, there are 21 of them, uh, were written to individuals or to churches. They're so very valuable, I mean, for so many reasons. One is, is that when you read them, you know that we're not so different from people in the first century, and we have struggles, and they had struggles, and these books are to say, here's the wrong way to do it, to follow me. Jesus says that you want to be my disciple, here are wrong ways to do it. Here's the right way to do it. I, the things I know about, about how the church is to be organized is because of the epistles. The reason why we knew how to eat the Lord's Supper and when to do it is because of these epistles. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, we gave of our means today. You know what? We did that because of these epistles. The reason why we know that we should be organized as an autonomous congregation led by elders is because we have the epistles. We know how to behave ourselves in the house of God because of the, these New Testament epistles. And then we come to the last book of the Bible. It's the book of Revelation. It seems to me, and people have different opinions about this, that the book of Revelation was written just prior to A.D. 70 when Titus came in with the Roman army and destroyed Jerusalem. I think that partly because of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, which says that these are the things that were shortly to come to pass. Shortly would shortly come to pass. And so the idea that, that the book of Revelation is to spell out the future for a long period of time seems unlikely to me. But, but the book of Revelation is written in signs. And so it's a difficult book to read. Having said that, there are some very practical and valuable things in the book of Revelation. The first three chapters are about the seven churches of ancient Asia. I love this because it says to these churches, I mean, it takes one at a time, and Jesus gives a report card and says, here are the things that you're doing right, and here are the things you're getting wrong. And I'm telling you, so much of that stuff is... But it's just things that we deal with. I want to know how to please him. I want to know how to be pleasing to Jesus Christ. Well, this will help us. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Be faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. What about Revelation 22 and verse 17? The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that hears say, come. Let him that is a thirst come, and whoever will, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. I'm telling you that this is valuable. This is, this is so very precious to our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul writes and says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And it's very easy. And I talked about this, I think, last Wednesday night. But it's very easy to look at that and think it, it has to do with heaven. Sounds kind of like it, but it isn't. The next line says, but God has revealed these things unto us by his Spirit. In other words, he's talking about the Bible. He's talking about that there was this this time in the Old Testament, and we didn't have the full picture of what it would be to have the church and have the, the precious blood of Christ to wash away our sins. And man didn't originate the Bible. God did. Man didn't, man didn't think it up. It's not in the fertile imagination of man to create this. The Bible came from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says that all spiritual blessings are in Christ. Make a middle note of that. Important, all spiritual blessings are in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3, which leaves us with this remarkable question at the end of this overview of the Bible today. How do you get into Christ? And the answer is in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. We're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
Have you been baptized to be in Christ? The hero of the Bible is Jesus Christ. The theme of the Bible is that man has fallen into sin and and that Jesus is the only way to receive forgiveness of our sins. The Bible teaches us how to be members of the church, the body of Christ, the sphere of the saved, the group of people belonging to Jesus. And I'm so thankful to be a member of the church of Christ that I read about in the Scripture. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning who wants to obey the gospel. The Bible is laid out in logical fashion. The Bible is, is a book that, the only book that originates with the Almighty God. You could obey the gospel today. You've heard the word, if you believe that Jesus is God's son, then repent of your sins and confess him and will immerse you for the remission of your sins. If you're already part of that body, but you, you need to be restored or you need the prayers of the Christians for some reason, we'd be so happy to do that. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.